So I was uh, here last weekend on Sunday doing the announcements for this service, and I was exhausted because we had just come back from a very long drive from um, the Outer Banks in North Carolina. So we, had, uh, we were down there for a week, my family and I, on vacation, and it's about, we used to say it was like a 12 to 14 hour drive, it's more like a 16 to, I don't know, 17 or 18 hour drive now, I don't know if it's, we're getting older, I don't know what it is, but it was a long ride basically. So we were driving and uh, we had left about 10 o'clock on Sunday morning, on Saturday morning, and it was about 7 o'clock at night and it was time to stop for dinner, so we stopped somewhere in Pennsylvania, I think, for dinner, and at that point, you know, Rick and I were switching off, so it was my turn to take over which was great. I was awake. I was fine. I had had, I don't know, a couple glasses of iced tea or something at dinner, so I was ready to go. And Rick promptly fell asleep in the back seat. And Dylan, my son, was sitting next to me, and he was playing his music on the radio. So we were staying awake, and we were talking and singing. And, um, you know, it's not really a straight shot. It's not like you get on the highway and you go straight. Lots of little, you know, state road this and whatever. So Dylan was helping me as it was getting darker and later at night. And he was telling me, all right, Mom, two miles ahead, you're going to be taking a left exit, or half a mile, you're going to be turning here, <clears throat> which was super helpful. I needed that extra direction. But then we hit New Jersey and New York City, and it was like midnight, one o'clock in the morning, and it was crowded. There were, it was, I don't know if it was traffic, if there was an accident somewhere, there was a lot of people and a lot of turns and a lot of detours, and Dylan was starting to fall asleep, so thankfully Rick woke up in the back and he started being that voice for me and he was just quietly directing me, you know, this is coming up, this is coming up. Then we got towards the George Washington Bridge and all of a sudden my GPS went haywire and it was giving me all these detours. So something was going on, the traffic was backed up and it was telling me to take surface roads through New York City. And so Rick is sitting behind there and he's like, oh no, no, don't do that, just keep going straight. And I was like, but it's telling, no, no, just keep going straight, okay? So I keep going straight, and my GPS adjusts, and going a little further, it's taking me off again, and he's like, no, 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 just keep going straight. And then he says, or if you want to take the surface roads, go ahead, you just, you decide, you make your choice, you, you figure out what you want to do. And at that point, I don't know if you've ever been there before, but you're tired, and I just can't take any more input. I can't think anymore. And I'm like, you know what, honey? You just need to tell me which way to go. Tell me which way to go. Don't give me a choice. Just direct me. And he's like, okay, okay. So we got through, and it was great, and it was fine. Um, but our lives aren't always like that, right? We have choices that we have to make every single day. Our days are a series of choices. Some of them are small choices. You know, what am I going to wear this morning? You know, what am I making for dinner tonight? Am I going to go to Dunkin' Donuts or Starbucks for my morning coffee? Um, if you know the pastoral staff here, you know exactly that that's a very easy choice for us. But, you know, it might be a choice for other people. And then some of them are a little harder, like, you know, what school am I going to send my child to? What college am I going to, you know, help my, my child choose? Um, should I switch jobs? Is God calling me to move somewhere? Where is God calling me to spend my time or to spend my money? You know, those choices are a little bit harder, but those are the choices. We still get them day after day. And so the message today is going to be about that. How do we make wise choices? Because we don't always have a Rick in the back seat with a gentle voice telling us exactly which way to go. 
We need to make these decisions on our own, and we need some kind of guidance. So I'm going to suggest as we go through um, this message today in the scripture in Joshua 24 that Joshua's giving us a bit of a path, a bit of a formula to follow, let's say, as we make choices in our life. So we're nearing the end of our sermon series on Joshua. We've been going through this for the last several weeks. I hope that you've all enjoyed it. It's been um, a lot of great information. And, you know, basically just to summarize a little bit, we came into Joshua and we were encountering the Israelites after they had been in captivity and had were brought out of captivity, got to the promised land. God said, no, not yet. They wandered. And then we get to the point at the beginning of Joshua where God says, okay, now it's time. And so those first chapters, God is preparing the Israelites to, to go over into the land, to cross the river. And then we go from this time of, of wilderness and wandering to this time of conquest. So they cross over and, and God is giving all these lands into their hands. And, you know, they make some good choices and some bad choices and God's there and guides them through all of it. And then we get to the end of Joshua and the lands are divided up and everybody has the land that was promised to them. And so that's basically Joshua in a nutshell. So if you've missed the whole series there, I've just recapped, they've given you the cliff notes of the whole thing. That's what happens in Joshua. And so we get now to the end, to the last chapter, chapter 24, and Joshua's at the end of his life. He's probably about 110 years old is what they say. And he knows that you know, his time is coming to an end, his time with these people that he's led through all of this, um, that he has followed God's calling and he's been obedient and carried his people through all these, all these conquests. And now he knows he's going to make a leave-taking speech. He's going to make his final farewell address to people. And he's gathering them all together, and he's going to let them know that now they have a choice to make. They've gone through all these things, and now they're at a point where they have to choose. Where are they going forward from here? And so the challenge that Joshua is going to put before the Israelites is to serve God exclusively. The choice that they are going to be asked to make is to serve God and to serve God alone. And it's interesting to note when I was doing this research, the word serve is also translated as the word worship. Depends on what translation you have or what part in, in Joshua you're reading or, or other parts of the Bible, but the same word that we use for serve is used for worship. So I thought that was kind of interesting, right? You can't worship without serving. When you serve, you worship. They're both tied together. We worship God through serving. So that was an interesting thing to keep in the back of your mind. And so we know all that's happened to these Israelites over all this time, and you know, God's been faithful to them. It should be a no-brainer who they're gonna choose to follow, but it's rarely that simple. It's rarely that clear right in front of us. We rarely have somebody in the back telling us exactly which way we should go. It's not that easy. It's not that simple. It's not that obvious or clear. And that can sometimes be the difficult part. You know, when we are in the valleys of our life, we can feel God's presence. We can reach out to God. We can cry out to God. But when we are experiencing the blessings, when we're experiencing the positive and the high parts of our life, sometimes that kind of ease comes with this, you know, subtle, subtle drift away from serving. 
So this is the things I want to talk about today. We're going to be reading from Joshua 24. So if you have a Bible or a Bible app on your phone, you can go to BibleGateway.com. We're going to be reading to start off verses 1 through 13 in Joshua 24. I have the English Standard Version. It goes like this. Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and summoned the elders, the heads, the judges, and the officers of Israel. And they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Long ago your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates, Terah the father of Abraham and of Nahor, and they served other gods. Then I took your father Abraham from beyond the river and led him through all the land of Canaan and made his offspring many. I gave him Isaac, and to Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau, and I gave Esau the hill country of Seir to possess, but Jacob and his children went down to Egypt. And I sent Moses and Aaron, and I plagued Egypt, and what I did in the midst of it, and afterwards I brought you out. Then I brought your fathers out of Egypt and came to the sea, and the Egyptians pursued your fathers with chariots and horsemen to the Red Sea, and when they cried to the Lord, he put darkness between you and the Egyptians and made the sea come upon them and cover them. And your eyes saw what I did in Egypt. And you lived in the wilderness a long time, and then I brought you to the land of the Amorites, who lived on the other side of the Jordan. They fought with you, and I gave them into your hands. And, took, and you took possession of the land, and I destroyed them before you. Then Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, arose and fought against Israel. And he sent and invited Balaam, the son of Beor, to curse you, but I would not listen to Balaam. Indeed, he blessed you, so I delivered you out of his hand. And you went over to the Jordan and came to Jericho, and the leaders of Jericho fought against you, and also the Amorites, and the Perizzites, and the Canaanites, and the Hittites, and the Girgashites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites, and I gave them into your hand. And I sent the hornet before you, which drove them out before you, the two kings of the Amorites. It was not by your sword or your bow. I gave you a land on which you had not labored, and cities that you had not built, and you dwell in them. You eat the fruit of vineyards and olive orchards that you did not plant. It's kind of long. We don't usually read that much. But this is really important. This, this, you know, we had the little Cliff Notes version of Joshua. This is a Cliff Notes version of Exodus too. You know, they wandered in the desert. They came. God delivered them. Um, and so the first thing that Joshua is inviting this gathering of people to do is to contemplate. Remember all the things that God has done for you. Remember where you were. Remember where you started. Remember that Abraham and the ancestors were worshiping other gods. And remember all these things that I've done for you. So now Joshua has gathered them all at this area called Shechem. And it was a strategic choice. It wasn't arbitrary. And it wasn't because Shechem had, you know, a good space or good acoustics for his speech. There was a very specific reason why Shechem was the place that they gathered. And that's because it was at Shechem where the Lord first appeared to Abraham when he came into the land. When God first made these promises to Abraham that we're seeing fulfilled now, where Abraham first built an altar to God, 
for him and for others to remember the covenant that God made with them. And so Joshua is bringing them back to where it all began and saying, remember, remember all that the Lord has done for you. And you may have noticed when we were reading the word I in referring to God, I did this, I did that, just to look back on a couple of them. You know, I took your father Abraham, I gave him Isaac, I sent Moses and Aaron, I. And in 13 verses, it's actually used 18 times. And if I'm wrong, text me and let me know. I I tried to check and double check to make sure I got that number right. But you get the idea. They're being reminded that God is the one who brought them there. That it wasn't through their work, it wasn't through their bow, it wasn't through their toil and labor of, of building towns or of raising vineyards and olive groves, that God did this for them. That they have gone through all this, and they're at this point in their life right now where Joshua's going to be leaving them, and they're going to need to make a decision of who they're going to follow, and Joshua, or God through Joshua, is reminding them, this is all that I've done for you. The victory belongs to God. You know, it's easy to forget sometimes when we're in the midst of, you know, chaos or we're in the midst of anxiety. Sometimes it's hard to remember the fact that God has been so gracious to us. It's hard to remember that God got us through that anxious moment last week and and God got us through the problem that we were having, you know, three months ago that God gets us through these things, that it's God that brings us over to the other side. And, you know, sometimes we can forget all those promises that God has made and that God continues to fulfill. There's still promises that he is fulfilling for the Israelites and that he's fulfilling in our own lives. And so when we get anxious, when people will talk to me about being anxious, when I or my family gets anxious, I remember. Remember the ways that God has come through for me in the past. So that's what the Israelites are starting out by doing, remembering all that God's done for them. And then they get to the point where they have a choice. And Joshua is going to remind them, these are the choices you have. So I'm going to read verses 14 and 15, and it says, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So the Israelites are given a choice. So I had somebody say to me once in in a Bible study, you know, free choice and free will is what, you know, ruined everything to begin with. And, you know, it sounds a little funny, but not altogether wrong, you know, when you think about God's plan for the world and the Garden of Eden and all that he gave us, and then Adam and Eve were given a choice, you know, choose the fruit or choose the knowledge, choose to obey God or choose to disobey God. And we know the choice that they made. And and the rest of the Bible and certainly the whole book of Joshua is all about choices. Good choices that bring them positive results and poor choices that bring them further away from those positive results back and forth. We're free to make these choices. But we also have to remember that we are not free from the consequences of the choices we make. 
And the choices we make, as, as the people in the Bible did, choices that people in the Bible made, you know, they make a tremendous difference in history and, and for individuals, for groups, for future generations. Because although we have free choice, like I said, we're not free of the consequences of those choices. So we gathered together um, a women's ministry, a women's Bible study this past week at my house and we had a lovely dinner together and you know, we were sitting outside on my back deck and we were talking, just nicely talking about things and you know, I warned them that you know, our conversations may at any time end up being sermon fodder but that I would change the names to protect the innocent so um, everybody knows that that can happen but you know, we were basically just talking about choices and about consequences. Sometimes we can look at the Bible and we can say, okay, well, you know, these people made a bad choice and so God punished them. And I want to suggest that it's really not so much about punishment, that it's really about natural consequences, right? When we're making good choices and these good choices draw us closer to God and draw us closer to our relationship with him and we get drawn closer into this, you know, protective bubble that he gives us, our anxiety goes down, our stress goes down. It doesn't mean all our problems go away, but it does mean that we have God right close to us, standing with us, helping us through all of these things, guiding us, helping us see things more clearly. And then when we make poorer choices, we find ourselves drifting away from God. It's just what happens when we're not paying attention, when we're not listening, when we're not doing the things that we know we need to do to bring us closer. We just start drifting away. I was talking with somebody last night after the service, and you know, she was telling me that she had gotten really busy over the last month, and you know, she had been used to doing um, a daily devotional. And she would do it every single day. She would start her day with that. And she said over the last month that she hadn't been doing it. She had gotten busy. And she could feel the stress go up in her, in her body. She could feel the anxiety increase. And so she said this was a great reminder. Go back and do those things that you did to bring you closer to God. So there's a natural consequence. When we make those choices and we're closer in relationship, we're in his bubble. Of, of calmness. And when we make those choices that bring us further away, we kind of get further and closer out to that chaos that goes on in the world around us. And we have to remember that, you know, when we make those choices, we have to remember God never moves, right? God is always where he was. We move away. And so we need to move back. God is steadfast. God is always right where he is. But that choice is not always clear, and that choice is not always easy. And so I love what Joshua says here in verse 15, because he says these words, if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord. Sounds a little strange, right? If it's evil in your eyes to serve the Lord. But what he's telling people is that it's not an easy choice. If this is not the choice you want to make, then choose something else. And I love the way that Joshua acknowledges the fact that it is not always easy. It's not always a no-brainer choice. It's not always the clear path. It is hard. And Joshua wants to make sure that these people know what they're getting into. He doesn't want people to take this commitment or to make this choice flippantly. No, no big deal. Yeah, of course, I'm going to do it. It's the same for us. We need to understand that it's not always going to be the easy way. Um, I don't know if anybody here is a Harrison Ford or an Indiana Jones um, fan, 
I hope, hopefully somebody is in here, but I love Indiana Jones, and so, okay, good. Um, so somebody will know my reference here. So there's the, uh, the Indiana Jones where they're going after the, the um, Holy Grail, the chalice that Jesus used in the Last Supper, and they get through all these uh, obstacles, and they get to the point, and all the chalices are up there ahead of them, and the enemy is there, and Indy is there, and the, this old knight that has been guarding them for thousands of years is there and tells them, you must choose. And then he says these words, right? You must choose, but choose wisely, as the true grail will bring you life, and the false grail will take it from you. And it's the same thing for us, right? The right choices are going to bring us closer to that, that center, that source of life. And the poorer choices are taking us away and moving us away from that source of life. And so it's not always easy. But Joshua wants to make sure and God wants to make sure that we are all in. And so Jesus says these words. He tells us the same thing throughout the New Testament. And in Luke, he says this to his disciples. Jesus had called the 12 together. He gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And he told them, take nothing for the journey. No staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. And then he says this. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. So it's the same choice for us. We either choose to serve God or we choose to serve the world. We either serve God or we serve our own selfish nature. And it's a choice that we're given, and it's not an easy one. But we know that the consequences of that choice are good. And so these Israelites, they've, they've contemplated, they've remembered, they've been reminded of where they were and where they are. And they've been presented with this choice. And they're told it's not easy. I understand that. Make this choice. Decide today who you're going to serve. And then they have to commit. Right? We all get to this point where we have to choose. We have to commit. We have to take a direction. And so in verse 16 and 18, it says, the people answered, far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For it is the Lord our God who brought us and our fathers up from the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery and who did great signs in our sight and preserved us all in the way that we went and among the people through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out before all the peoples and the Amorites who lived in the land. Therefore, we also will serve the Lord for he is our God. And so there comes a time where you need to decide, am I going left? Am I going right? Am I going to go straight forward? Because not deciding, you know, sometimes that's the, the thing that we do is we stand still and we're like, okay, I'm just, I don't, I'm not ready to choose. I'm not going to choose. But that's making a choice. If you stand still, there are consequences of where you are. So even not making a choice is making a choice. So you may as well do it with full knowledge of what you're doing, right? Make a choice. Go left. Go right. Decide what you're going to do. In verse 23, Joshua says, Then put away the foreign gods that are among you and incline your heart to the Lord, the God of Israel. So if you're going to follow, get rid of all the rest of that stuff. Because those people had still been having some other gods, were still worshiping some other things other than God, and Joshua was saying, this is the line drawn in the sand. It's time. If you're going to commit, get rid of all those things and jump in. And so when I was writing this, I was kept thinking of a song. And, you know, it's a, it's a slightly older song. I didn't realize that it was in 2019, which 
seems like yesterday, but you know, it was a few years back. And it was a song by Stephen Curtis Chapman, and the song is Dive. So if you like Christian music, if you listen to Christian music, you might know the song. And it says, there is a supernatural power in this mighty river's flow. It can bring the dead to life. It can fill an empty soul and give a heart the only thing worth living and worth dying for. But we will never know the awesome power of the grace of God until we let ourselves get swept away into this holy flood. So take my hand, we'll close our eyes and count to three and take the leap of faith. Come on, let's go. So Joshua is providing them with this choice to take this leap of faith and he is inviting them to be all in. He is inviting them to get rid of those old gods that they served, those old things that they did in their lives and fully commit to God. And they're telling Joshua, yes, that's what we're going to do. So Joshua writes the words in the book of the law of God, and he, he erects a stone as a witness and as a reminder of the covenant that they're making today, this renewed covenant that they're making to commit themselves to God. And so we realize that God is requesting our faithfulness, not partial faithfulness, not partial obedience, but he wants it all. He wants whole allegiance. He wants whole obedience. And so the question comes for us today, just like it says in the scripture, whom shall you serve? Whom shall you serve? Are you ready to let God transform you into a new person and to serve him? Are you ready to let go of your old self? Are you ready to put aside those old idols that perhaps have been taking up your time and your energy and your worship? Um, are you ready to serve God? Like I said, you know, serving and worshiping. Serving God with a worshipful heart, a glad heart, a happy heart, a grateful heart, a thankful heart. And so my challenge that I have put before uh, people and I put before myself and I put before you is to look at your to-do list for the week, for the day, for, you know, a couple days ahead. Look at your to-do list because, you know, it's said that we can really see who we worship, what we worship, by looking at our calendar, and that's true. Where do you choose to spend your time? And so as you look at the things that you need to do today and tomorrow, how can all of those things be done to the glory of God? How can those things be used as an act of worship to God? And maybe there's spots in there where you can fit in a little act of service, and there's you know, no loss of acts of service around here, so if there's something that you wanna do or some way you wanna help or some place you wanna volunteer, you can talk to any one of us. There's always things that need to get done. And so look, evaluate, look at what you're doing in your days and see, am I choosing to worship God in the things that I do, in the places that I go, in the ways I choose to spend my time? So I want to leave you with um, some words from a poem. So the song kept coming in my head as I was writing this, and then this poem kept coming in my head poem by Robert Frost, and you'll probably know it as soon as I start talking about it, but it really spoke to me, and it says, two roads diverged in a yellow wood, and sorry I couldn't travel both and be one traveler, long I stood and looked down as far as I could to where it bent in the undergrowth, where it bent in the undergrowth. We can't see. We don't always know. The path is not easy. We're not going to know all the consequences of what's going to happen. But then he ends the poem by saying, and I shall be telling this with a sigh somewhere ages and ages hence. Two roads diverged in a wood, and I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. 
And so we're reminded that the path to following God is rarely going to be the easy one. The path to following God and making the right choices is not always going to be the one that's most traveled. You're not always going to be following the crowd. You're not always going to be doing the same as all your friends are because your path to bring you closer to God might be that narrow one, might be that one that disappears in the undergrowth, might be the one that you're not seeing clearly, but you're remembering. You are remembering all that God has done, and so you are letting him lead you down the path that he wants to lead you down. So Jesus asked his disciples in John 6, do you want to go away as well? Asking them, do you want to leave? Do you want to go on that other path? And the disciples respond by saying, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. You are the Holy One of God. You are the source of life. You are the one who has the words of life. And so the question as we go forward today and go about our day and our time is whom shall you serve today? So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the powerful words in the book of Joshua. We thank you for the way that you spoke through Joshua to the Israelites and that you spoke through this book to us today. Lord, help us to remember all those ways to contemplate, to think about all the ways that you've been faithful to us in the past, all those ways that you've answered your promises, all those ways that you've brought us out of trouble. Help us to remember those things. And help us to see clearly before us the choices we have. Might not always be completely clear which way we should go, Lord, but help draw us in, help draw us into that way that you want for us, that way that's bringing us closer into relationship with you. And then invite us to commit, invite us to just jump in, not just stick our toes in, Lord, but to just dive right in, because that's the only way that we're going to feel the full grace and the full power of your glory. Be with us this week, Lord. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen.